Welcome to NVC Life. I'm Rochelle Lamb, veteran NVC trainer and relationship coach, helping listeners navigate interpersonal conflict and ground more deeply into relational living. Greetings, fellow humans. And that is the sound of blue herons rooking. Yes, today is the first day of spring. At least in my corner of the world, it is the spring equinox. And I know that uh, in the lower hemisphere, it would be the fall equinox. But here we have spring and the birds are busy preparing to build their nests and lay eggs and bring young ones into the world. And as I was listening to those ones, and in fact, I I must say that there was a moment, uh, which was precisely at the time that the spring equinox was occurring, which in my particular time zone in the Pacific Daylight Saving Time Zone was at 2.24 today. I was watching of the time on my phone. And at the moment, in that time when spring was said to be here, the blue herons rose up from the tops of the tall trees, and they all flew in formation. I mean, it was formidable. And I just couldn't help but think, wow, these guys get it. They know what's happening. They're so attuned to the earth. They're so attuned to place. They're so attuned to their place of belonging. They know how to be here. They know how to be in their blue heron body, and they know how to be in the part of the world in which they came into and the one that they will depart from, die unto. And I just start thinking about things like, wow, like what does it mean to really belong? What does it mean to be in your body? What does it mean to have a sense of place? And it is truly an Indigenous understanding that you are born unto a place. And by virtue of being born there, the place lays claim to you. And you have a responsibility as a living being to be there, to belong in the place. And to do that, it means knowing the place. And I can't help but feel a sense of mourning at how little I really know about the place to which I belong. I I can say that I am seeing the things that are happening outside my home right now. I can see the changes. I can see that, you know, the daffodils are up and The birds are busy making the nests and they're these big plump robins. They're so fulsome and they're starting to sing their beautiful, lilting, cheerful spring song, which always brings such joy to my uh, my being and a sense of revival. I see so many of them. There can be as many as 20, just all hopping about on the grass and then tilting their head to the side, 
listening for worms. Uh, is there a worm there? And every once in a while, I'll see one grab a worm, pull it up. So this incredible attuned sense of place, sense of belonging, not feeling apart from. I recall hearing about how young people and older people alike, but the, the, the tragedy that young people can recognize logos of corporations and any marketing that's aimed specifically at them and at humans in general. So we recognize the logos aimed at turning us into loyal customers, but we don't recognize the names of the trees, the various names of the flowers, the various names of insects, of bird life, of weeds, of fish, all of the different kinds of wildlife. We know the basic ones. I know a robin. I know a sparrow. I know a daffodil. I know a crocus. But there are so many life forms indigenous to the place where I live that I do not know the names for. We don't know how to name those ones who live in our midst and also make our being here possible to begin with. They are the life that feeds us. I'm meaning that in the sense of it's all of the life around us that gives rise to our ability to grow food, shelter ourselves, clothe ourselves. And it all comes from that, that place. So watching those blue herons rise up today, having that profound sense of belonging. And I start thinking about, wow, you know, in the understanding of nonviolent communication, where everything that we're saying and we're doing, we're doing it because we're trying to satisfy a need. But it does make me wonder, how much do we really understand ourselves when our way of living becomes so far removed from the natural order of things, I'll say. If, if somebody didn't alert me personally, and probably many listeners, to the fact that today is the first day of spring, how would I know? And yet that I know that my ancestors would have known that this is the time of equal day and equal night because they would have paid attention to such things. Well, I'm too busy, you know, looking at my my tablet or my laptop or whatever it is, the news, that I'm not able to track these things. And maybe some of you do. I'm hoping that some of you do. But it's not something that I do on a regular basis. And it's, to me, it's a really important to track that and recognize that I'm paying a price for that and that my ability to track needs is somewhat um, it's a confusing thing because do I actually really know what I need in the context of belonging to this place? Do I actually really know? Because when I'm in my conversations with friends, loved ones, or colleagues, if I'm suddenly feeling tense and there's a conflict and I'm wanting to sort through that, I turn to the language of needs. And I will say things like, you know, I have a need for respect. I have a need to be heard. But I'm wondering how much of that is trustworthy in the greater context. You know, when a child is born, a child cries out. We, the caregiver, the parent, 
we recognize that the child needs something, that the child needs sustenance, that the child needs to be held, needs to have a skin-to-skin contact, needs to know their place of belonging. But we don't ask the child to know this. We know it. So there's a wisdom amongst us that recognize these things. And I'm wondering what occurs when we start to lose connection with that wisdom. I mean, hey, we are living in a culture where, you know, how often do we turn to elders, for instance? Young people know so much. They know so much about technology. There are a lot of things that young people know about because they were born into a time when certain things came into existence that were not in existence for some of their elders. What do I know about how the laptop operates or how the smartphone does this or that? It's more of a learning curve for for many older people. Younger people, they already know it. But the context in which people are living their lives, the environment, the ecosystem in which they are living is itself quite derived It's not innate to life itself. A few days ago, I came across a quote. uh, It was something that I had remembered reading from a book by Martine Prechtel. The book is titled The Unlikely Peace at Kuchumakwik, The Parallel Lives of People as Plants. And at the very beginning of the book, there is a section that's titled New Words and Redefined Words as Understood in this book. And one of those words is irreality. Now, let me read to you how Martine Prechtel defines irreality. The word irreality in this book is not intended to signify what is usually meant by unreal, not real, or ethereal. Irreality is used to denote the very common but strange and unfortunate collective condition whereby an utterly unhealthy, non-sane, unnatural, totally synthetic, technologically choreographed environment with no awareness or regard for the holy in nature becomes the cultural environment of a people who, without questioning it, live in its trance accepting it all as perfectly normal. This is not unreal because it most certainly tangibly exists. But this neurotic human-centered mess is irreal because its reality is man-made and of no use to the organic human soul. It is an irreality. Whoa, that gives me shivers. Now, I return to the place again where he says, whereby an unhealthy, non-sane, unnatural, totally synthetic, technologically choreographed environment with no awareness or regard for the holy in nature becomes the cultural environment of a people who, without questioning it, live in its trance. Live in its trance, accepting it all as perfectly normal. I can't help but think that that is me, that that's me living in the trans when I don't know 
that today is the first day of spring without being reminded by technology. That's a frightening thing to consider. I can't say how much I had such a profound longing to just lie down on the earth this afternoon, but it was it was kind of wet and uh, muddy, and so not wanting to mess up my clothes, I didn't do that. But I just felt such a draw to just lie there. And uh, maybe this is why, as people grow older, it is said that there's a real fondness for gardening, this desire to return to the earth where I can somehow feel myself as grounded, as sane, and recognizing that that will be the place I return to, that everything dies, returns to the earth. That's what I'm thinking about right now. I don't have any conclusions that I'm drawing, but I am wondering about how possible it is for human beings to accurately really know what they need if they're born into a trans culture, if they're living most of their lives in a trans state. How can we actually know? And on that note, I pray you're able to take some time to head outside, lie on the earth, and feel yourself belonging. And as well, that you're filled with wonder and gratitude for this life that you have. Thank you for tuning into NBC Life. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. For free resources or to book a private session with me, head over to rochellelam.com. Until the next time, stay sane, grateful, and generous. Thank you.